Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. Uh, we are in the book of Ephesians, and as the title implies, we are in the preacher's study, literally looking at this book and trying to bring some things out that will be helpful to you and to ourselves and our walks with God. Uh, I'm Kevin Clark. I'm one of the members here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and I'm joined by the preacher here, the evangelist, uh, Bob Hutto. You want to say hello to the audience? Appreciate everybody joining us today, and we're going to continue our study of Ephesians. Hope that everybody uh, is, uh, is ready to study, open their Bible, and uh, gain something from it. So we appreciate everybody being with us. We've got Mark and Jason with us as usually, right. as we usually do, and we're glad they're with us. They make it all possible, Amen. and uh, we appreciate their good work. Very much so. Thank you. So we are in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, last time we covered 1 through 6. We're going to pick up 7. And uh, I wanted to start out with a thought, because uh, if I had to title this section we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about gifts that matter, gifts that matter. Uh, we all like gifts. We get gifts from time to time, uh, maybe for our birthday, or maybe somebody just wants to do a random act of kindness, and uh, they all fall in different categories. We always say it's the thought that counts, so even if it's not very practical, it's not something you really like or use, the fact that the person thought about you and expressed that through a gift is, is really nice, and you appreciate that. But the gifts we're going to talk about tonight are more than just the thought counts. These are gifts that really matter uh, because they pertain to the most important thing uh, that we have, and that is our souls and our destination uh, for those souls for all eternity. And so let's begin in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so what we read in this passage are the gifts that Christ gave to men, and indeed he did. He starts out by saying that each one of us has uh, a certain amount of grace that was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And I love the quote that he uh, gives us from Psalm 69:18, where he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that reference to he is a reference to Christ when he ascended on high, ascended to the right hand of the Father. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 gives an account of that ascension. Also Luke chapter 24. Uh, of course, Luke wrote both of those epistles. And it says he led captivity captive. And my understanding of that captivity uh, would be primarily sin. We know that sin does uh, enslave. Uh, Jesus said in John uh, chapter 8, uh, that, that he who commits sin is a slave of sin. And we also know in passages like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 26, that those who are caught up in the lifestyle of sin are defined as being in, under the captivity of the devil. 
And so this idea is that he led captivity captive is he overcame sin. He overcame the thing that kept us separated from God. He overcame that bondage. And then when he also ascended, he gave gifts to men. Now he makes a, a comment, almost an aside. It's a, in my Bible, a parenthetical, if you will. He says, oh, look, if it says that he ascended, well, what does that mean? Well, that implies that he had to first descend. You say, well, why is that? Well, Christ went home. He went to the Father. In fact, he talks about that in John chapter 17 and verse 1. Let's turn over there very briefly. John chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now listen to this. I have glorified you on the earth I have finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Notice that. He says, with the glory that I once had. Jesus was in heaven. Jesus first descended. And Jesus lived perfectly, fulfilled the will of God, was the perfect sacrifice. Once he did that work, he finished the work God had for him to do. He what? He ascended. And so that's the point uh, that Paul makes, is that there had to be this descension before you have the ascension, and that he ascended far above all things, that he might fill all things. And then he talks about these actual gifts. And I tell you, Bob, one of the things that's interesting to me is what he says are these gifts. He says apostles are gifts. He says prophets are gifts. He says evangelists are gifts. Pastors are gifts. Teachers are gifts. And I, I don't know if everybody always thinks about that, but I want to challenge you. If, if you've had someone in your life who's an effective teacher, uh, your preacher, those individuals, if they're doing the work that God has for them to them, they are gifts of God designed to do one thing, and that is to bring about growth. And one of the things that's interesting, Bob, when you look at verse 11, look at those gifts. Here's the gifts of Christ, gifts that matter. What's the common denominator amongst all of those? What do you think? Well, they're all teachers. Exactly. In go. fact, the last one is teacher. That's right. And it sort of defines the common trait in all of them. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it just it shows how important that is. That's right. That what Christ left for us, there are a lot of things he got, but he gave us all of these teaching positions. And, and they're really gifts in, in, in a twofold way. First of all, there are gifts to the individuals who occupy the position. And we saw this, you know, you look mm -hmm. about the apostles. Earlier, Paul had talked about the idea that being able to preach the gospel was a grace given to him. Look at chapter 3, verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So he right there says the mere fact that I have been entrusted with the gospel mm -hmm. to teach others, that's a gift to me, but it's also a gift to those who are ministered to, and that's what the rest of that, uh, the two verses uh, that follow it, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the recipient of the gifts are not just those who are the prophets, those who are the teachers, all the evangelists, but it's those who receive the gift of that teaching, the body of Christ, the saints. In fact, he says, what, what's the purpose of having these different gifts? It's to equip the saints, and it's to edify the body of Christ. And, and we all need to think about, if we're in these positions, and of course some of these positions are no longer active, uh, we don't have apostles today, uh, we don't... But we do have their writings. We do, and So absolutely. we have apostles in the sense that we have their writings. That's right. And so they continue to exercise their influence That's right. through their writings. We have the writings of New Testament yeah, prophets. Absolutely. 
men who were not apostles, but right. were inspired to write. And so even though they're not living among us, we exactly. still have their teaching and their work and preserved. And we still benefit from That's that. right. That's exactly right. It's it really interesting to me that, that their work is kind of twofold. This equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. And you think about that and you say, wait a minute. Uh, aren't we supposed to be outward focused and we're supposed to be getting mm -hmm. out to the world and get out to the community? Well, notice he says equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So when we come to the service and we hear Bob Hutto preach to us, what is Bob doing for us? He's giving us the tools that we need to then go out into our neighborhoods, go out into the workplace, go out into right. school and to teach others there. And, and to walk upright and keep oneself inspired from the world and to visit orphans and widows, all those individual commands. But we get the tools that we need from these teachers and the pastors, the elders that we have at our congregation, the preachers. They're feeding us. They're giving us the things we need to do the work of God that goes well outside the walls of the, of the church building. Right. So I'm reminded of a couple of passages yeah, in the ahead. New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus mm -hmm. gives the Great Commission, mm -hmm. and he tells them to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the right. Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them That's right. to observe all things that I've commanded you. And mm -hmm. so the, the church is a teaching yes, organization as much as anything else. It's a teaching organization. Right. And we miss that sometimes. We do. We, do. we think of the church as a service yes. organization. Yeah. You go out and you do good works. Right. And that that is part of it. Right. You're, you're equipping... Uh, you're equipping the people to do the work of ministry. Right. And so, yes, the church goes out and does good works, but they're taught yeah. to do good works. Right. There have been a lot of things done in the name of Christ right. that Christ would have never endorsed. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's uh, we are to be busy doing good and to serving other people, but it must be done uh, with knowledge. Absolutely you know, so right. we need to understand what the will of the Lord is, and then practice the will Amen. of the Lord. But the other passage I thought of is 1 Timothy 3, I knew you verse 15, <laughs> where the church is identified as the pillar and ground of the That's truth. Right. Yeah. And so the church is to defend the truth and support right. the truth, proclaim the truth, uh -huh. spread the truth, all of those things that would be included in that description, the pillar and ground Amen. of the truth. Amen. And so, and so that, that's right. And uh, uh, These offices are teaching offices. We equip the saints to do the work of ministry and in the, in, as well as building up, strengthening, edifying the body. Amen. And what happens, part of that edifying of the body is that growth of those who are in the body. There's supposed to be this maturation, just like we see in our own children. They, they grow in knowledge. Their bodies grow. They get stronger, more knowledgeable. There is a similar track. There's a similar trajectory of spiritual growth. And he talks about this. He said, look, the whole goal is that you not be children anymore. And the That's reason right. why, you don't know the truth. Every false doctrine that comes around, you get swept away in that. Okay, well, this is true That's or that right. is true. He said, no, no, no. You need to come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And by perfect, he's not about talking about sinless necessary. He's talking about mature men, mature men and women in Christ, so that you know the truth. You're well grounded in the truth. You're well established in the truth. And knowing that truth, you can easily identify error and say, no, I'm not getting called to that. That's not true. And so there's supposed to be this growth process. So Hebrews 4 gives us an example. I'm sorry, Hebrews 5 gives us an example of this. Uh, and this is very important. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Now, in this case, you're going to see people had not grown the way they should have. 
He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Listen to this. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses, exercises earn both good and evil. And so he talks about there's supposed to be this maturation over the course of time. You grow from a babe who only can take milk. You can't take meat. You don't have the skills. You're not equipped to that. You don't have the, the, the teeth for that. You keep growing until you finally get to the point where you are full grown. You're mature. You can handle meat. And in this case, unfortunately, although they should have been mature, they had reverted backwards. But the idea is that if we're uh, preachers and teachers, we're trying to make our congregation members grow in Christ. We're giving them what they need. And that's the hallmark of success. It's not how big is the building? How new is the building? It really is not how many people are in the seats. Obviously, we want to grow the board of the kingdom of God. But here, the focal point is how well developed are the individual members of that congregation? And how does that, how does that come? Well, again, mm -hmm. just notice some of the expressions and phrases that are used. Unity of the faith, right. knowledge of the Son of God, right. uh, and, um, and then a little bit later on, speaking the truth exactly. in love. Amen. So how do we, how do we grow? Right. Well, we grow in our knowledge. That's we it. grow in our understanding. We grow in the truth. Mm -hmm. So there's an intellectual side That's of becoming right. a Christian and developing as a Christian. Amen. And uh, so there, there's a learning involved. And so it's not all doing it must be right. informed yes. doing Absolutely. so sometimes people will well we want practical sermons yeah we want practical sermons right, that's right, right. right. but it's in informed practice right. and so there has to be some teaching and instruction and learning well and i love the point you made about one of the hallmarks of that growth is speaking the truth in love i've seen that the opposite i've seen sometimes when really young immature christians get a hold of the truth and sometimes they get out there, and it's not done in love. It's done in a very combative, divisive way. It's a one-upsmanship. But the mature Christian is not driven by pride, not driven by one-upmanship. It's driven by love. You, you care about the souls of other people. You care about them knowing truth, and you, so much so that you can't help but teach that. And so we always want to teach truth. We never want to sacrifice truth. But equally important is that we do it with the right attitude, the right heart. If you think about Jesus when he summarized the Old Testament, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if we love our God as we should and we love our fellow man, certainly we're going to speak his truth and we're going to do it with love. Well, I like the point you made earlier, and it reminds me of a statement over in the book of Colossians, mm -hmm. chapter 2 and verse 5. Even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline mm -hmm. and the stability of your faith That's in Christ. Uh, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly mm -hmm. rooted mm -hmm. and now built up. Every few years, something will come along and it will take people away. Right. It'll, it'll sweep them away right. from truth. They're, they're not rooted and grounded uh -huh. well enough in truth. And when, when this comes along, when something is presented, right. well, they're, they're swept away. Well, we want to avoid that. That's right. We don't want to be blown about and swept away yeah. by every wind of doctrine that comes down the pike. Right. We want to be able to identify truth from error. How do you do that? Yep. By, by, by growing in knowledge and understanding mm -hmm. and understanding the faith and so forth. And so that when this doctrine comes along, we can identify it and avoid it. Amen. And we want to wrap up as our time has come. Recognize that all these things we're talking about are deliberate, intentional gifts of Christ. 
And to me, that just adds more meaning and richness to it. And sometimes I remember one time talking to a guy about preaching, and he was very dismissive of it. It wasn't very important. He didn't think that was a thing. To be. And, and, and the problem is in society, we, we value everything by money, and we define everything. So if it, if it commands more money and a higher premium, then it's more important. If it commands less, it's less important. No, no, no. This is a gift from the Son of God. And that just changes everything. So we have a good Bible class teacher that puts some time in and is prepared. Remember to thank that person for spending that time. They are a gift from Christ to promote your spiritual growth. When you're in an assembly and you hear a good sermon from God's Word, defined because it's scriptural, that's what makes it good, then you need to commend that person. Why? Because that's a gift of Christ to promote your growth. And then we need to do our part, which is to take those messages, take that information, and to add it to our heart, add it to our knowledge, and grow in Christ. You know, as you said, teaching is so important. And, and we, you know, people want to emphasize about they want churches to be out and be a, a kind of a social, civic, community organization. And they got to understand that what we're trying to do is to get people ready for heaven. And yes, the fruits of the Spirit will have us doing some things as individuals in the community, but we have a lot of churches that have gotten away from the very gifts that Christ gave, teaching gifts to impart into us the Word of God that is inculcated in our hearts, which is going to save us. It's going to lead to salvation. Uh, we're about to run out of time here. Would you like to say any closing words before we... No, just, just emphasize class? again just how important it is to... To, to learn and to grow and yes. to be stable and yes. have deep roots in the faith. Amen. And that way we can, uh, you know, when I was, a, I was a young boy, I can remember thinking, well, you know, after my, I would listen to my dad preach and others uh -huh. preach, well, what, what's going to happen to me when they're not around anymore? Right, right. To, for me to, yeah. to, to depend on and listen to and be right. guided by. Right. Well, if I'm grounded in the word. There you go. Well, then if I'm grounded in the faith. Mm -hmm. Well, then I won't be swept away and Amen. I won't be blown about. So Great uh, we uh, just want to emphasize that point. Amen. Gifts that matter, teaching gifts. Well, we want to wrap up, as we always do, with a word of prayer, and I'll ask Brother Hutto okay. to lead us okay, in Okay, sure. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your word. Uh, we're thankful that you have revealed it and that it's been preserved for us. We're thankful, Father, for men like Peter and John and Paul who spent their lives and gave their lives in some cases, for the advance of the gospel. We're thankful that we can read the New Testament and we can learn from them even yet today, 20 centuries later, we can learn from them even today. Father, help us appreciate those who have devoted their lives to teaching the gospel, whether they teach it in a full-time capacity or, or, or just part-time. If they're teaching truth, Father, we benefit from, us, from that. Help us to be thankful for their devotion and their commitment and their good work. Our Father, we pray that we will learn more and more about the faith that you've revealed to us, that it will sink into our hearts, that we will be rooted and grounded, that we'll have that firm foundation so that when the rain comes and the storms come and the wind blows, we will not be moved, but we will stand strong in the faith. Father, we pray that we will take what we've learned and that we'll teach it to others so they too might enjoy all the blessings that come with being in fellowship with you. Continue to go with us, provide the things we need, watch over us, and uh, until that day when we stand before you and we hope to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.